1: Hello and welcome to the Friday Form Panel. Well, this is not the beginning of the FFP in the lead-up to 12 Group 1 races tomorrow night that I was expecting. So we might just edge our way into this. Dan Malecki to join me, hopefully, cross fingers, very soon. We are going to go through 12 races, 12 Group 1 races, all Vic Bread Super Series finals at Tabcorp Park Melton on New Year's Eve. We're going to bring in the New Year with a bang. Dan is going to join me to try and find all of the winners I'll say this before Dan joins us. We'll go for an early break in a moment. Um, this looks a very easy card, and there's been some discussion over the last 48, 72 hours, um, particularly via socials, that this is a, a very um, fundamental meeting and there's too many short-price favourites and it's going to be too hard to make money. And that might be right. But here's what you've got to remember, and I know, well, I'm pretty sure... I don't want to to speak for Dan, but I'm pretty confident that Dan is going to agree with me that a lot of these favourites are just too short. The wagering service providers, what they're doing is they're trying to limit their exposure, uh, particularly via multi. So a lot of runners that should be about $1.80, $1.90, even $2 are about $1.40. Now that means two things. One, there should be value on the other side, but two... I think what people need to do in this program is think outside the square. Don't try and make things happen that aren't going to happen. Don't try and manufacture and manifest realities that won't play out. But think through it a little bit more. I know when you look at the semifinals last weekend, seven days ago, last Friday night, they were most almost exclusively run exactly as you would expect. But here's the big difference. There's a big prize money gap between semifinals and finals. So where you wouldn't have a genuine crack or do something uh, left field or off Broadway in a semifinal because you just want to qualify, people are going to do it. Drivers and trainers are going to have tactics to go out there and try something different here because there's $100,000, six figures up for grabs in every single race. So we'll be going through that. Very, very soon. And I pray to the Lord above, my personal deity, that we get Dan Malecki on the line very, very soon. We're going to go for a break here on the Friday form panel on SEN track. And if everything goes to plan, all things being equal, Jay Bon and Dan Malecki will join you on the back end of that break to go through the 12 Group 1s tomorrow night at Victorian Harness Headquarters, Tabcorp Park Melton. I tell you what, Willem knows that was a stuttering start to the show, so he decided to play some real feel-good music. He knows I love that song. He wanted to put a smile on my face, and the smile is on the dial, and we're dialed in for the Friday form panel. And Dan Malecki, you are with us, I believe. How are you?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Chase. How are you this morning? Oh, you
1: know. Five or ten minutes ago, not flash, but um, improving. Um, I'm an improving type, progressive. Uh, hopefully in race one of the 12 group ones, uh, tomorrow night at tab Park Melton, nobody begins. None of these young trotters uh, begin quite like we did on the show today, but uh, hopefully they won't. And certainly we hope that Rockin' with Attitude won't. A very short price favourite. Now, I haven't got any prices on one wagering service provider at the moment in race one for whatever reason, so I've had to go to another and rocking with attitude is at a dollar eighteen. I was discussing very briefly because we've got these dozen group ones to get through, Dan, but I I do believe um that people think this this is all gonna be um played out very easily right throughout the card and there's so many short price favorites. But I really think that there are I, I'm expecting a fair bit of the unexpected uh tomorrow night. I'd like to know your overall thoughts. There's one race I don't probably expect the unexpected, and that is the first event on the card.
0: Okay. Um, look, I've uh, tipped Rockland with Attitude. Um, that That's pretty short, though, for Rockland with Attitude. Yeah. I, I thought Trady Lady was, was getting pretty close to her at Maryborough until she went a, a, a bit rough, uh, Trady Lady coming around the turn. Um yeah, I think there's too big a gap between the two. Uh, I did tip four from 10, but thought they'd be much closer in the market. Rockland Attitude's got the gate speed. She should lead pretty comfortably. Uh, and that's an asset uh, you don't often see, particularly two-year-old trotting yeah. fillies, and there's a really good bunch of two-year-old trotting fillies, but she's a fast beginner. So she should be able to lead and lead comfortably, whereas Tradey Lady's going to have to make the midway smooth, going to have to do it tough. The the one thing about taking a dollar, what price did you say? Dollar fifteen or something? Dollar eighteen. It seems too short. I yeah. mean, I've got to mark odds on, but nowhere near that short. And it's at the end of the season, end of a long season for these horses, and and particularly trotters. And I just think there's not a lot between Rock and Attitude and trading mm. Lady, so um, I think Tradey Lady is value as a result of that. Um, place chances for the stable mate's dichotomy in Cognati but I think um, the 4 looks the likely winner uh, but the 10 um, I wouldn't be afraid to have something on her um, particularly each way and particularly at, at the $4 plus, she de- doesn't deserve to be that price, she's on the up she's on the up, there's no doubt she's getting better and at her third race start she shows how close she can get to the Attitude uh, despite going a little bit roughly coming around the home turn and uh, if it was a Getting around the bend situation, I'm sure she'll handle Melton a bit better than Maryborough. So, I still see her as on the up tradey lady, whereas Rockman Attitude, I doubt, could be any better.
1: I'm with you. like on, on, look, I'm going to go with Rockman Attitude. That is fairly, you know, uh, rudimentary. The, the, the gate speed you mentioned um, should be leading and should get that tactical advantage, but... Trady Lady did go rough. These two horses have met twice, haven't they, for an, an, an aggregate margin of 5.7 metres. And Trady Lady is parked out on both occasions. Now, we'll likely have to do so again, but I'm with you. I think there's far too much between them. Um, and $1. eighteen is, well, it's, it's ridiculous, really. We're, I think if you're going to have early quarties, at least, have your main one with Rockin' With Attitude and do just have a little... A Little hedge uh, early quaddy with Trading Lady because if you can get a dollar 18 favourite beaten, I know you'll think that four dollars in the first leg of an early quaddy um, punters doesn't mean much, but if you can get a dollar 18 favourite beaten where 90% of the money will go one out, uh, I think you'll get something out of it. I threw in Paris Jamila uh, for third, I thought it would lead and then hand up to Rockham with Attitude, and I think that's well, that's going to be a perfect spot, isn't it? 26 and 235, the drum and outside of them. Uh, Cognati, yes, dichotomy's in the mix, but also Solsky, who clearly has a lot of ability for Anthony Crosland. Drawn poorly, goes back, makes life hard, but five fifty a drum—that could be. Th- th- there's a little bit of excitement value there, at least four, two, three, and nine for me in the opening event on the card. We'll get through race two before we go to another break and discuss the great meeting twelve group ones uh, a little more broadly. Now here, it's it's a battle between. Hide and seek for uh, Lara J. Farm, who's exploded onto the scene. And then the dominant juvenile trotting male in Australia so far this season. Well, this is the last day coming up tomorrow. The locomotive. I thought the only other winning chance was WhatsApp party time. But this is really interesting, isn't it? Dan, right across the card, uh, we're we're at the end of the season. This is the last day of 2022 tomorrow. And we've got so many runners who were just emerging now, and I wonder whether that's a big positive for a horse like Hide and Seek, who is on the up, progressive, improving right now. We know what the locomotive's all about, but some of these runners, we've got Sweet Bella in the later in the night, we've got a number of them, including Tradie Lady in the first event, who have the advantage of being on the up, heading into this Group 1 race.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and I'm just having a look at my tips for the night. There are seven races. Well, I've narrowed it down to two primary chances yeah. where one horse has drawn the front line and one horse has drawn <laughs> the back row. Um, there's a, a, well, at least in races like the first race, for example, I, I do think there are two winning chances and I, you know, tradie ladies the right on the back row this time It's the locomotive and hide and seek is a horse on the up, the locomotive. Uh, I'm not sure if he's any better. He's very good and he might have to be any better, but hide and Seek's definitely improving has got gate speed, led from seven at Charlton. Um, and then the win at Maryborough was that of a really good progressive horse. Yep. I was taken by him, and that was his first start with Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars. So uh, this is a horse that goes into this final third up from the break and improving. And we got a bit of a, uh, a teaser or a taste from last preparation because Hide and seek at did second start. Um, ran second to the locomotive when drawing the back line and making a little bit of ground off the locomotive when he was a hot favourite. So there's plenty to like about hide-and-seek. Uh, having seen him in the flesh that day at Maryborough uh, convinced me that he is rapidly getting to the top level of the two-year-old Trotting Colts and Goldings. And I think the barrier draw uh, is so favourable for him. He he can win. I'm keen enough to make him the best bet of the night. On a night with there's a lot of shorties and it's a bit hard to you know, pick some of them that are, are, are quite quite short. In this case, he's just black and white figures, and uh, and I think he'll lead, and I think the locomotive's gonna have to sit without cover to beat him, and I'm not sure that he can. Um, he might, but I'm not sure that he can. So five and 10 are the main two, but I'm keen enough on hide and seek. Uh, third pick, uh, nine, what's up? Party time looks the logical third selection. And then, uh, then Stevie G, I, I thought it was pretty tough to find something else. I think he's a pretty good young trotter still on the up, uh, and that might be his advantage. with gate speed, uh, it makes sense. <laughs> five to beat nine. but my, Sorry, five to beat ten and nine. Uh, best bet of the night, hide and seek for me. There you go.
1: Five, ten, nine and one for me. So I'm also with hide and seek. I, I must concede. I thought, given what the locomotive has achieved this season, that hide and seek was... Very short. The the WSP that I'm um, currently um, gazing upon has hide and seek in the tomato sauce at a dollar ninety. I thought that was too short. I can't believe what Lara J Farm. They've had a great season, an amazing season. But what they've achieved with the Trotters is something else. We'll talk about Visionary in the last race in the card. Just believe wins Bill Cole on sprint and then an Inter-Dominion final. And uh, hide-and-seek, I know they've only had this horse for one run, but it's going to be another star. There's no doubt about it. I've got him on top. I, I uh, don't want to be personally launching into a $1.90, um, but I think it's the one to beat. The only realistic threat probably is the locomotive, though what's-up party time I still feel is on an upward trajectory. So I do give what's-up party time a little hope. I'll be again in early quarters <clears throat> having something through the nine no other winning chances for me either. You've gone Stevie G for fourth. I'm going Shane Warn Hollywood S K Hollywood from the pole marking draw. My numbers five, ten, nine, and one. Break time. We're back on track. Friday form panel. Ten races to go. All of them at Group One level. Vic Bread Super Series night tomorrow at Tabcorp Park. Stick with us. With you, I feel something real. Welcome back to the Friday form panel, better known as FFP in the business. Um, right two races down, 10 to go. All at group one level, as mentioned, I can't I said had a tweet during the week um, that got misinterpreted. I was I said, does anybody know of any meeting any code worldwide where they have two group, uh, 12 group ones on the same night, Dan? And some people were um, believing that I was uh, suggesting this was the uh, greatest Uh, horse racing meeting of either code in the history of humanity but I was purely asking the question are there 12 group ones on any race meeting anywhere in the world and I'm not sure that there are.
2: No I don't know that there is um, either Uh, it's a good one Uh, it seems unlikely uh, that there would be 12 the whole program 12 races but there are, there's so many change-up to race meetings and added races. Of course, all the yeah. slot races, they're, they're big races, but they're not Group Ones. No. And there's a bit of a change-up too within um, Harness Racing Australia with uh, the levels based on prize money over the last few years, um, which would mean that some of these Vic Breads may not be Group Ones next year unless the prize money goes up to 150000 which is a good thing um, uh, that they do. But to answer your initial question, I, I think you're right. Um, and... Uh, it's 12 Group Ones, they're, they're, they're big races. I mean, it's the biggest night of the year for me to call that. It's the biggest crowd we get at Melton by quite a lot. Um, and from an industry perspective, it is a bred, so it's still looked upon to, to a small degree as a restricted series, but there's very few horses that are in Victoria that are not Vic bread, um and therefore not eligible to run uh, in this, uh, this series. When, when you breed a horse in Victoria... Your aim is to win a Vic Bread, isn't it? Yeah. And if you get through that, and somehow fortunate enough to be able to do that, you might look beyond. But initially, uh, the first goal to pay up for Vic Bread and to win a Vic Bread final,
1: which is very, very, very tough to do. Now, you've already made the case uh, that I, I think we're going to be following for the remainder of the Friday form panel: uh, head-to-head races, virtual pseudo quasi match races, one good horse drawn off the front line, one off the back. Well. This is the, uh, the great dichotomy, uh, not to reference the horse in race one. Cornmaeur is in barrier one. Stable mate for Anton Revel, Revelstoke outside the second row in 12. I wrote in the form comment, "In my opinion, pound for pound, gloves off if life were fair, Revelstoke might be a better horse than Cornmaeur, but this advantage between 1 and 12 is why one's a dollar 40 and one's 550 Dan.
2: Yep, no doubt. I think you're spot on with uh, that assessment. Um, Cormaier to be that short a price favourite, I'm not even certain that she was in the top two of their fillies uh, you know, earlier on in the year. they got a good bunch of fillies. I'm, I'm sure Revelstoke was, but she was prone to doing some things wrong. But she's won nine races, whereas uh, Cormaier has won three of the last four. So prior to that, mm. she was three from 13. She's really picked it up. There's no doubt she's going... Um, as good now as she ever has this is the best form of her career and, and again being at Maryborough to just see her go through um, her, her paces was enough to to make me think you have improved I've got to consider you as a as a group one quality horse now she drew barrier one in the breeders crown final uh, and she went she got crossed easily at the start and initially I thought to myself well barrier one's going to be a problem but I went back had a look at the race and She actually went rough in the score up and it cost her getting that momentum and therefore looked like she was crossed easily and didn't have the gate speed. But we've seen her begin well on a number of other occasions Mm. where she's drawn middle to wider and she's got across... I mean, she led um, Lindy's Love last time from outside of her and did it pretty comfortably. And I would have thought... Based on the Breeders' Crown run, those other horses might get past her, but I just thought it was an aberration. She went roughly. It's a matter of her just trotting fluently up to the gate. I think she'll lead and I think she'll win. She was that impressive at Maryborough, the way she coasted home. She had another gear to get to uh, that she never got to use. So she's flying at the moment. Rebel Stakes going to have to run right up to her best and then then a little bit more, I think. Uh, she might be capable. Uh, you meant referenced horses, making mistakes, pressure on, and and all that could happen to bring other horses into the race. But on Cormier, one from 12, uh, seven, just a bit touchy. I think she's going really well, but she might have to work to find a spot, but at least she gets a front-line draw where last time she drew the front, she won. Uh, so she's in the mix, and the six is La Perrière, who's... Beautiful Philly went a bit roughly at uh, Maryborough, but I think she's going well enough to consider, and she's massive odds. So big raise for Yabby Dam Farms, 1, twelve i I've gone
1: one at twelve seven and 4, so very similar. Here's the thing, and this is um, something you discuss all the time, Dan, as we go to the heart out in about 60 seconds. So Cormayu ha- has got gates, bed. You- you've already referenced that, and certainly we've seen that at her most recent start. But the only possible way... That horses like Lindy's Love, just a bit touchy, Elder Baron, Misty, can possibly hope to win is if one or two of them have a genuine crack at the start and try to get Cormier off her game. And that's why, even though I'm with Cormier, I will be having a small bet at 550 on Revel Stoke because I think if something does go wrong for the pole marker early, Revel Stoke is. An outstandingly talented filly. As I say, I think possibly even slightly pound for pound superior to the pole marker. So I'm with one, 12, seven and four. my to win, but two short at a buck, 40. Revel take the major danger and the only two I'll be throwing in the early quaddy Back in a moment. Friday form panel, SEN Track. Friday form panel with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Welcome back to the Friday Form panel. It is hour two. We only go for half an hour from 10.30 to 11. But hour two. And we get a break in play here or a change-up in tactics. We're going to our first pacing Vic Bread Super Series final, better known more affectionately as the Sires of Vic Bread Super Series. So the first pacing final is for the baby boys, the two-year-old Colts and Geldings. And critically here, Dan, it's the first of our favourites that isn't drawn off the front row, the question I have for you, is the Lost Storm simply different gravy or can we entertain the possibility of him getting rolled?
2: Uh, the latter to a, to a little degree, I think. Um, I think there's only one horse that's capable of beating him on what I have seen, uh, particularly through the semifinals, and that's the horse that ran second to him last week. Um, look, I think the... Uh, the Lost Storm can win. Remember last week, the slightly smaller field. There was only 10 in the race. There's 12 here. And there's probably a bit more depth uh, as well in this final. Uh, For him drawn the second line, he whizzed around them and he ended up getting to the front pretty early on in the race. So early, in fact, a perfect class. Pretty much had no choice but to take the trail. And ran really well. I thought he stuck to his guns particularly well in a 25.7 final quarter. So the Lost Storm really... Had to work a little bit to get to the front, then backed it off, got cheap sectionals, and sprinted home. And and may well be a similar story here, but a couple of extra horses to get around, jockeying for positions. Uh, perfect class may still end up taking the trail, but if the Lost Storm has to work that little bit harder, Perfect Class is the only one that I could see with an opportunity of uh, of running down the Lost Storm. Um, the Lost Storm top pick for mine. He, he's a I think when you say a different gravy, he probably is. Um, but what gives perfect class an opportunity of getting close or dipping his toe into that gravy is the barrier draw. Um, and he's got the gate speed, I think, to, to be able to lead. If he couldn't lead, that would change things up a little bit because I think the lost storm is still good enough to go and sit parked and be able to win the race, particularly if they back the tempo off once he got to the spot outside the leader because he's good enough to dictate the race from either the, the front on the pegs or sitting without cover. So the rightful short price favourite, I just thought perfect class with a similar run to last week and a bit more tempo was the only danger. Little Louie's going well, can absolutely run a place and uh, and even Doug's platter's got a, a place claim or a top four hope. But 12 on top um, from, from two, but I'm giving the two a little chance. I'd included in the early quaddie, 12236.
1: All right, this is um this is good. We've got a little bit of a disparity of opinion here. Uh I'm with the lost Ormond type. You can't not be, I don't think, a dollar thirty-five. And the reverence with which he's spoken about by Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin, who have um, you know, most of the major chances here. How many runners? One, two, three, four, five, six. So half the field. And uh, I think if you asked Emma or Clayton. Uh, who their best horse is, the Lost Storm, they'd say by a margin. But that second line draw, does he get parked? If he does, I think he, I think he can possibly be beaten. But there's a couple of other runners I've got here, so I've got Perfect Class in for third. But at the odds, Doug's Platter ran the gate last week uh, in the same uh, semi-final as the Lost Storm, and got shuffled all the way back, and yet still hit the line incredibly well in a sizzling final quarter, twenty-five-seven, as you mentioned, Dan. $13, if he can um, just spear straight across them again here and then make decisions after that who to hand up to, uh, whether to hand up, whether to try and run along. Doug platter, I think, is a pretty underrated customer and the heat win was excellent. And Rock Artist is improving at a rate of not. Now, that was a uh, a far weaker semi final uh, won by Blake Bollock, who's also a really, really nice horse for Leroy O'Brien. But the way Rock Artist... Got home from the back, I think he's uh, he's the one that's still got genuine improvement left in him. And if the lost storm was made to labour intensively in transit, and even though he was he was super professional, uh, wasn't he last week at the lost storm? He found the front, dropped anchor, and it was the most settled. I think I've I've seen him in his career, which he's not yeah. um, he's not to be unexpected, but. If he had to park out here and he got a little bit fired up, they could run time. He's run time in so many of his races. So um, 12, 6, 2, and 10 for me. But I do think small bets on Doug Splatter and Rock Artist. um, Well, they might get wasted, but I think they're worthwhile. First leg of the quaddy now. Vincent Vicbred Super Series final for the four-year-old mares. And look, the market here is really interesting, isn't it? Anybody who watched Tough Tilly last week... Would have thought this. There's so many runners going around tomorrow night, around a dollar thirty or a dollar forty, and yet if you could have picked one based on the performance, that would have started incredibly short um, from last weekend, you would have thought it was tough. Tilly, and yet we're getting a dollar seventy. Uh, disgust, Dan Blakey.
2: Uh, well, again, it's another race where two key chances, one on the front lo- row and one on the mm. back row. The one on the front row um, needs that advantage by having the front row, Doug's babe. And then she was terrific winning last week. Um, but so was Tough Tilly. I mean, Tough Tilly, she came up around the turn. I got my binoculars on her and I could see the white in her eyes and I thought, you're not going to be beaten here. And you could see the way she lifted. She uh. refused to yield. She just was going to win that race at the top of the straight and she reeled in a, a, look, a good horse in Tay Tay. And I just thought, well, she's done that a few times now. She's got that will to win, which is typical. And and it's an apt name, isn't it? Considering who she's named after, Tilly Wilkes, EB organization. It it is um, heartwarming to see a horse that really wants to win so much. And I just think a similar scenario will unfold here. I have to tip Tough Tilly. I think she's in the zone. Um, Doug's Babe gets her chance. There's absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, from the draw, she should be able to lead. Um, and then just a matter of how soon or, or at what stage of the race Tough Tilly gets up there. But I don't think any horse at the moment would want to have Tough Tilly looking you in the eye. Um, I think it'll be very intimidating and I, and I think Tough Tilly can win again, but, uh, but Doug's Babe has got a super chance um, I've thrown in Tay-Tay for third. She might be better uh, sitting off the pace mm. and coming with one run because she can produce them uh big sectionals but you also wonder like a lot of horses on this program are they over the top has she got anything more to give i don't think so unless different tactics driven cold the two leaders work too hard go too early and something finishes over the top uh, and kakoa might be a, a place chance i don't think she's up to these but with the right run and for the scenario i just said maybe it brings her into it but otherwise if tough Tilly gets around cheap enough quarter they dash the last 900 really quick I think they'll fight it out, and I think it suits Tough Tilly. So 10, 4, 12, and 9. I've gone 10, 4,
1: 12, and 7. Isn't it appropriate, Dan, that given their amazing rivalry and their battles over the last couple of years, Tough Tilly looked like
2: Lady in Red last week? That, that was, yeah. that was oh, what a, Lady in Red does. Yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with you um, last week. And, and that the win that she had, I think, was a Breeders' Crown... Uh, the first night of the Breeders' Crown when she was able to win as yeah, well. And yeah. she got up on the last hop in that blanket finish. And uh, she knows where the line is. she got that will to win. And, and I, I agree the other night. The margin seemed fairly narrow, but it was the way she went about it. And uh, her confidence, I don't think, has ever been higher. Now,
1: I'll give you a scenario before we go to a break for this race. So Tay-Tay follows through behind uh, Doug's Babe, directly behind if the emergency comes out Muck and Bardiva. I, I agree with you that Tay-Tay's a better horse off the speed. But if Tay-Tay slices through, Albie Ashwood, aggressive driver, has a crack at Doug's babe, is Doug's babe better suited to resist that challenge and then park Tough Tilly or to hand up to Tough Tilly and force her to get abused by... Uh, hand up to tay and force her to get abused by Tough Tilly and be behind the leader
2: following a helmet? Well, I reckon if that did uh, unfold, I'd say Alex Ash would be more prone to handing up to Tuff Tilly when she come around. Yeah, right, yeah. She, she couldn't hold her out last week, so why should we do it this week? So if he did try for that uh, ploy to head off uh, Doug's babe, you're going to have to work a bit to do that. Um, and then I think the only other option would be Alex to take a trail behind Tough Tilly. So I think that's an unlikely scenario. And let's face it, Anthony Butt, um, you know, he, he gets a bit of white line fever at times and on Doug's babe, I don't think he's going to relent there, is he? There could no. be ladies in red outside of him and he's going to say, well, you want the lead, you earn it. Uh, um, and, and I'd say it'd be a similar scenario. So, yeah. no, I wouldn't expect that to happen. Um, and if they did, they're going to have to go very quick for two or 300 metres. I'll
1: tell you what, I, I really have a lot of respect for Doug's babe, but um, I'm growing even more confident here, making it one of the best of the night, Duff Tilly, because... I don't see a world, based on what I watched last week, that Doug's babe could hold the lead and, and absorb what Tilly can bring to the table. Because even if you think you've got her beaten on the turn, as we saw last week, she'll crush you into submission in the concluding stages. Break time on the Friday form panel. We've got seven group ones to go. Don't move a muscle. You can move a muscle for about three and a half minutes. Go and get a cup of tea and come back. And there will be no white flag I'll tell you what, if toe. I haven't found a winner by race six, I'll put the white flag the up. <laughs> I'll definitely put the white flag up if I haven't fi- found a winner by then. Um, we're ducking back. More Group Ones. Vic Bread Super Series night, New Year's Eve, Tabcourt Park, Mountain Huge Crowd. It's going to be a magnificent atmosphere. And we're ducking back to the trotters here. Now, you say there's two key chances in most races. I wonder whether there isn't three here. But the draw is awkward. I am I'm pretty keen on Elder Baron Zeus. I think if I'm looking for one at better than $2 that I'm happy to have a decent bet on, it's Elder Baron Zeus. I know the draw doesn't look great. But I do just think he's pound for pound right here, right now, a better horse than the one and on the two. But you may have a different opinion, Dan Maleky.
2: Um, look, I think if he'd drawn the front line, I would say you're right. Just the, the back row might even things up a little bit. Um, generally, he's he's a better horse when he's drawn the front. There has been occasions he's won from the back row. Maybe he hasn't had those opportunities too often, but um, I, I think he would go into this race rightfully as the number one seed. And it's just a matter of Chris Elford being able to weigh up. Will Loxley Lover try to keep out Don't Care, or would Loxley Lover... Um, be better with a sit. I, I would think Loxley Lover would be better with a sit uh, behind don't care. But if that was to happen, you'd need some pressure outside of don't care, which would probably oblige uh, Chris Alford to get off the pegs and want to go and sit without cover. Maybe not. Get into a good spot because he has got a terrific turn of foot. So I think it's intriguing from the tactical point of view. Uh, I've tipped the two don't care, uh, but I care a lot about the race. Uh, I thought he was terrific in his, his uh uh, uh, I thought he was dominant, uh, and he's he's a pretty good horse anyway. It's no no great surprise. But Loxley Lover becomes more dangerous, I think, with a set. If Don't Care doesn't lead, um, I think the best that Alan Tormey could hope for is um, something comes around to give it cover. Now, would Chris Alford want to take Luck out of the equation or be happy to uh, sprint lane? Um, Elder Baron Zeus has got this uh, capability and the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the the sprint in him to utilise that sprint lane. Uh, so the tactics are key here. So um, I'm not quite sure I've got it right as far as w- how the race will end up being run, but regardless, there are three chances. Two, one and eight for me. Um, I'll tell you who went much better last up was Rogue Gentleman. Chris mm-hmm. Lang looks like he's got him to settle a bit. And he's the other one that may well lead them. If Chris is wanting to push... Uh, or allow him to do what he wants to do at the start, he might be able to rush across. But I, I just thought that he had him in the zone, settled the other day, and he ran a ripper race. I thought he was really strong through the line. So he could be the one that changes things up a fair bit by being able to cross. I don't think anything else would try to have a go in the early part. Uh, but I still find it an intriguing race. But like you said, there are three key chances, two, one, eight, and three. Uh,
1: you have um, you've dug into my house, uh, opened the safe and stolen my thunder here because uh, I think Rogue Gentleman will cross. Uh, neither Loxley Lover nor Don't Care are brilliant beginners. And I don't think either Rebecca Bartley or Alan Tormy will want to really run either horse off the gate. Loxley Lover uh, can overrace very badly. When uh, rushed off the gate, Don't Care's not amazingly fast off the gate. Rogue Gentleman is the quickest beginner. So I think Chris Lang is a great chance of getting across. And then I think some wild, woolly, weird stuff might happen because then I reckon Loxley Lover may even get off the inside as he battles with Don't Care to try and take over from Rogue Gentleman. While all this is happening, I think Elder Baron Zeus is off the inside and uh, and gets into the clear. And knowing the other rivals are working, yes, you can make a mid-race move if you want to. Uh, don't have to. I don't think Elder Barron's... So I think he's so fast. He could sit 10, 12 metres off these and and reel them in. That's that's the way I, I read the race. The big danger is don't care. I don't... As much as I love Loxley Lover, I still think he's another 6, 12 months away from being the finished product. He does things wrong. He's very, very fast. But he takes some of that speed out of himself by... Uh, over racing at times i reckon the two bets in the race are elder baron zeus to win and even with what you've said if you're getting five or six dollars a place about rogue gentleman and you reckon he's, he's going to lead and trail i think there's a bet there as well dan
2: yep yeah look you make perfect sense with elder baron zeus um, I, I was just struggling to find out how the race might be run but if if the expectation is rogue gentleman can cross them, I'm sure Chris will be off the pegs pretty uh, early, and and therefore he he might just be the best horse in the race. But I don't think he's I don't know if he could win if he sat without cover, because he's got so much speed. Yeah. It's a matter of Chris letting him go, getting into a spot. Say if it was midfield, maybe coming out down the back, sustaining a run. But I wouldn't want to see him sit without cover. Um, because whoever gets that cover is the one that's going to be advantaged. If Rogue Gentleman led, took a trail behind, I'd say more likely don't care, but yep. they have to get there first, don't they? And and Loxley Lover's the other one. If if Rogue Gentleman held up, Loxley Lover probably gets the run of the race. So you can make cases why each of those horses can win, but conversely make the case why they can't win if a different scenario unfolds, which makes it intriguing.
1: Yeah, you make a great point. I, people think um, People think sometimes it's harder to come three wide with a sustained run from... 600 out, but some horses just aren't Breeze horses, and they can sustain the run if they're held up for that one long run, and I'm with you. I think that would be the best plan for Elder Baron Zeus, but for me, he can still win under those circumstances. Now, that was a slightly um, rogue speed map with rogue gentlemen getting across. I even think in the previous race, race five, Celestial Fragrance might bomb everything at the start and then hand up to Doug's babe, but I'm saving my most Uh, Off-Broadway, left brain, uh, wild speed map for this rock and roll heaven. Vic Bread Super Series final for the four-year-old Entires and Geldings. Um, And I'll talk about it soon, but I want to hear your opinion first. Better Eclipse is your favourite at 2.15. And I can see from the draw that it's almost certain that things are going to work out for him pretty well one way or the other. I am not convinced, however, that Better Eclipse is even really close to where he was when he won the chariots of fire and the sunshine sprint but what are your thoughts
2: and look firstly on better eclipse um, i i can see what chest tubs and greg sugars have done they've got him through the Inter-Dominion. They almost had to nurse him that last week after that poor run at Geelong. I'm not sure they really expected what was going to happen in the grand final, but he made it there and he actually went terrific. We didn't get a great idea of how terrific he went because of the way that race was run, but I thought he was still terrific. And then it was a matter of just um, going around blindfolded in the heat, uh, of the of the Breeders' Crown, mm-hmm. just keeping him together because they don't want to push him over the top. And in the semi-final last week, it was the quietest winning drive I've seen for some time. He was never going to lose to my eye up the straight, but I think they're, they're just trying to save whatever juice is left in that tank for him on grand final night. Wonderful job to get him where he's at, better eclipse, and I reckon the best of him we will see uh, through this preparation tomorrow night. But Major Moth is just, wow these three runs back he's been so impressive yet you look at the overall time sometime you think oh well he got cheap quarter here and he's had a good barrier draw and it's just been a sprint home but it's the way he does it and each time he's doing it he's better than the start before he's still on the up and he was a top line two-year-old sometimes that means nothing when they're four but Right now he is the horse. I could see him winning any race. I might be overrating him, but I can just see that trajectory and I like what I see. He's shown gate speed that I never thought he had. Yeah. Uh, he's getting yeah. out of the gate better than I've ever seen him before. Uh, and I know that he doesn't have to do that because he has got such a great turn of foot. I actually think he's better trailing. So um even if he ended up not leading, I wouldn't like to see him without cover, but I I, I I wouldn't rule out the fact that he might be able to still win from there, but you'd much prefer to see him 1-1 or perhaps in front. Um, I'm not fast. I still think he can win regardless, but better eclipses the danger. I've got it down to – I've got it down, as the betting suggests, a two-horse race. Mm. On last week's run, I couldn't have Act Now, and I'm a big Act Now fan, as you well know, but that was the run of a tired horse to me last week. If this wasn't a group one – um, I just wonder if he'd be there. Um, he's had a long prep. He's had a great preparation. But last week, uh, he, he was just showing signs that, um, you know, I'd like to be out in the paddock now. Mm. And he raced accordingly. Um, now... Emma and Clayton are so good in changing them up, whatever they're going to do this time. Remember when they, they semi-freshened him up and he pulled his brains out at uh, Geelong, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, and who knows, they might do the same here. And if he's very good off the back. But I, I've ruled him out. I didn't think he could win on what I saw last week. Prior to that, absolutely. Um, and the other round at Naratak Prince will benefit if the speed is on. If Better Eclipse and Major Moth look each other in the eye or whoever else it is, the line of three from the 800, 900,000 metres out, he's the one, as a sit-sprinter, very good horse. And he's the one from left field, right field, um, that has got some claims of an upset. Major Moth for me, from better eclipse, not much in it. Three, two, seven. And uh, what else did I have in the mix there? Number, oh, one big show from the draw looks a really good top four chance. So three, two, seven,
1: one. I reckon there are heaps of winning chances here, personally, and Mm. I am expecting the unexpected. So, first of all, I'm going to go through my um, avant-garde potential speed map. Major Moth, no doubt, is getting out quicker than ever before, but I don't think either Greg Sugars or Damien Wilson are going to be coming out on roller skates. We know that Better Eclipse is not as good when he really runs the gate hard. Major Moth, um, I think... I think Damien Wilson will look at the situation and think, I'm not sure I can definitely get past better eclipse, so I'd prefer to conserve something. So they're the big guns, right? Captain Belisario has got really good gate speed. Now, he pulls pretty hard normally when you use it, but Jack Law is exactly the man for the job in a race like this at Group 1 level who might just say... I'm just going to absolutely rip. They're going to worry about each other, these two, and I'm going to fly across and find the front. The thing is here, if that does happen, there'll be no lead for anybody else because Captain Belisario, I believe, will then get on the Chewy and create an incredible tempo. Even if that doesn't happen, I don't know if there's as much between all these horses as there seems. And it's interesting the point you make about better eclipse, and well done to Lara J. Farm. I agree. But... When you look at Major Moth, who is on the up and getting better with every run, compared to a horse who's even needing to be managed at this point of his preparation, it's advantage Major Moth. If you're looking at those two runners, on with Major Moth. Major Moth is absolutely flying. We forget how good he was as a two year old. I, th- I thought he was going to be an absolute megastar as a two year old. Obviously, things didn't go to plan, but he is well on his path to fulfilling that early potential at the moment. And he's going to be better this week than he was last week. The only thing I'll say about the Better Eclipse win last week, yes, he was always going to win. But i got to be honest, I reckon coming off the track, Greg probably thought, I thought I was still going to win easier than that. So I, I'm just worried the Better Eclipse... I don't know if he can beat a horse as good as Major Moth or a couple of others here, if he's if he's 94% going into this race. Act now $6.50. I, I agree... I agree that he, he raced like a tired horse last week, Dan. But then you see $6.50 about a horse who started $3.30 in and entered a minion final. And it, you get seduced a little bit, don't you? you oh, like, no doubt. I'm, yeah. happy, I'm happy to go out on a date with you um, because the, the price now is getting to the point where it, it sort of it twists the cerebellum. You're wondering, how can I get six fifty about ACT now? But one big show, there are a number of different circumstances where... I think he can be dangerous at $17. Narrow Prince, yes. I've still got a massive opinion of Captain Belisario and I I think he's really going very well. There's one right at the back. If they win a land speed record, and I know the draw's going to preclude him from even running probably top five, but Arden's ace is going amazingly well for a horse at 61 and nine, isn't
2: he? Yeah, and considering he... I don't think he's won this decade, has he? It's been a long time since his last win. I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, for a horse that is going so well... It was November of last year was his last win and he's had, what, 25-plus starts since then, but new stable, and he is flying, totally. I, I agree. If the race was run upside down and you wanted to take the wide quality, identify this could be the, the leg that you get the value, you'd, you'd have to put him in, as you would with Act Now, probably idyllic, Naratak, Prince, and one big show and Captain Melisario. So there you go. They're, they're all top-quality horses. I just think there are two horses that are a bit better than top-quality.
1: Can't wait for your thoughts on catch a wave after the news. Ride High Vic Bread Super Series, three-year-old Colts and geldings final. Dan Malecki and j Bond will be discussing straight after the news. There might be 12 group ones tomorrow night at Tabscore Park Melton, but I think two stand out. One of them we've just discussed. The four-year-old Entis and Gildings final, but this three-year-old Colts and Geldings final. Well, E wee wow, the different things that could happen here. The gate speed off the front line. He's Charlie's Angel. You are a massive fan, uh, Dan Malecki, and you just get the feeling that Charlene Guzman has to try everything she possibly can to hold the front. But does she have the speed to hold out a very fast beginner and catch a wave? Does he's a son of a gun even have a crack at the start? Can Hot Deal hold them for the first 80 metres? Will that suit Raw for Roscoe if they get into a battle? This is uh, this is an amazingly intriguing race, and it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to call, but I'm not sure either of us are going to know what you're going to be calling about 100 metres after the start.
2: Yeah, it makes it exciting, doesn't it? And that's one aspect of harness racing that we enjoy so much. They don't always just build to a crescendo uh, to the finish line. Sometimes the most exciting part of a harness race or the key area where the race is won, uh, could be at any stage during, whether that's at the start, uh, once they settle, mid-race at the bell. Um, So you can never take your eyes off, really, Uh, and not know what to expect, because a lot of these horses, uh, they're they're gladiators, aren't they? And they can, um, and hard, tough, fit horses, and they can sustain a trip uh, as well. So that's what makes it really exciting, because they've all got the potential to do the things that you've just talked about. Um, When I first looked at the barrier, I thought, well, catch a wave, you've got blinding gate speed, you should lead. Uh, But the battle for the horse that wants to be behind catch a wave, if indeed catch a wave does work to the front, you're not just going to let that go and if you're on He's Charlie's Angel. I think you'd try to get to that spot as well. There might be a battle with, you know, a number of battles within a war. And He's Charlie's Angel v Hot Deal. He's the son of a gun, as you know. He can get off the gate really quick um, and catch a wave as fast. So they all might have to work harder to get their key positions. And catch a wave's not really the sort of horse that if he worked pretty quickly uh, and hard to lead... He might lead comfortably, but he's not really the horse that backs it off to to a ridiculously slow quarter. I think he's the sort of horse that would have to run along at a reasonably genuine speed. And the fact that he's got the good barrier draw makes the difference. He is a different horse when he's in front and on the peg. So um, you're right, those scenarios are terrific. Interest-free will probably slot in behind them, need to get the right run. I thought he was a bit, you know, just so-so last week, interest-free. He might have been up for a long period of time as well. So might have to be driven, you know, with a late last charge at them. Uh, You mentioned Raw for Roscoe. Um, He he might get into a good spot here. He'll want those horses to go hard. Um, All right, the winners. Catcher Wave, most likely winner in the race. Uh, But he's a son of a gun. Why is he double-figure odds? He, He was so good last week. He may have led and won. The race before Catcher Wave sat outside of him at the 700 and... Put, put him to bed, said bye bye and beat him easily, but he's the son of a gun was clearly much better last week. ran time. and he won this race as the two-year-old last year, coming from well off the pace. He is not a one-trick pony, um, and I thought he was the best value in the race. Catch a wave, the horse to beat. He's a son of a gun, I thought was entitled to be the clear second favorite. He's Charlie's angel. he's tough, he's far more reliable. Uh, and he can run a big race, and then I've thrown in uh, interest free. But three on top, but I'd be more well at the price. I'd prefer to back. He's the son of a gun. Maybe a dollar a win, four dollars a place, to be two dollars fifty odd or around that price. When I last look, uh, I think it's way overs. He, he's a he's a good horse that ticked the box last start. Yeah, you're back. Prior to that, we'd all have our doubts, but I, I haven't got any doubts anymore. I think he's right on song for this race. Three, four two and five for me, but I am looking forward to it. And I've got to maybe a shout-out to the racing team at Harness Racing Victoria because they've got to put on the races and schedule that program. And then imagine how difficult it would be, Jace, to then work out which races go where. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at it tomorrow night and I'd have to say two of the races I'm looking forward to the most would be races seven and eight. Yeah. So I think they've got those races spot on and they're often undersung, the racing department, but I reckon um you know it'll be a difficult night with 12 races to schedule on them from one to 12 and at this stage it looks like it's been done spot on
1: oh look um uh, not not undersung by me I, I know he's a great mate of mine but i don't think there's a, a more important person who works at honest racing victoria than uh paul oxenford who's been there for a very very long period of time and is generally charged with with a, an enormous variety of tasks tasks but one of them is to is to get the um, is to get the the program right in terms of the order and you know what occasionally um, we might uh, we might disagree about the exact races. There's no right answer, but I agree with you. Perfect here, absolutely perfect. Um, uh races seven and eight on with you they are the two races of the night and it builds that doesn't it? i know in the thoroughbreds these days they like to keep it going forever but we're going to finish this meeting 48 hours before 2023 so um you want these races here where there's still a huge focus and everyone's still absolutely deeply profoundly invested in this vic bread super series meeting Uh, as for the race my numbers are three nine two and four but i'm with you the two horses i'm backing are, well, he's a son of a gun is one of them, and Raw for Roscoe is the other. Now, if he's Charlie's Angel somehow, somehow kicks up inside Catch-A-Wave, the one thing we know about he's Charlie's Angel that has never really changed with him is he will over And he will make life incredibly hard, I think, for Catch-A-Wave to be able to get across, then he's worked terribly hard. On the flip side, and you've already made this point, but I'll give you the stat: Captain Wave has been in front nine times in his life, and he's won nine times. He is a different horse in front. Having said that, it is a weird notion, as good as he is, to have a dollar fifty about a horse who's been beaten more than twenty meters at two of his last three starts. Um I just I can't have him at a dollar fifty. I just I don't believe, as good as he was first up, I don't believe he's there. And I also wonder, I don't know this from Andy Gath, but I wonder whether he's really, really, really been set for this series where a horse like he's a son of a gun has been. Matty Craven told us after the semi-final win this is what we've been targeting and he must be a funny horse to get really screwed down. He's a son of a gun, Dan, because uh, he has put in some really flatline performances yet when he's peaked, this race last year that three-year-old Caduceus Classic where he was just monstrous and last week he looks like a world beater when Matty Craven really sets him for it doesn't he
2: yeah no doubt well he won this race last year and it beat a lot of the opposition uh that are in this race were up against him last year Catch a Wave wasn't because he went through the Breeders' Crown didn't run in the Vic Bread but um look he's a bit more a Vita like uh top level and uh just seemed like he was off his game but they found their mojo at the right time and it's not as if he's $2.40 and you want to take him on i thought uh, i in fact i was shocked that, that he was largely disrespected at, at 11 or $12 when the markets were out and he's remained at about that price during the week he is a group 1 winner and he's taken some big scalps over a period of time but catch a wave is deservedly favourite drawn the front line um one thing catch a wave can do uh is go a bit rough at times he yeah. doesn't circle so good back to the front line which i think is the first time in a while now for for him just just little concerns that um, while he, he's such a talented horse, he's still got his quirks, hasn't he? Um, last time he drew Barry a, a front row was last prep and he went really roughly, caused a false start for memory, and he got um, uh, put out of the draw as a result. And then his next three runs, Derby Heat, and then his last two have been from the back row. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but when a horse is that short, you want to be certain that they're going to get away. At his best, he, he leads, he's a brilliant beginner, yeah. one-on-one, yeah. in a straight line, yeah, you know, he would lead and I would think lead pretty comfortably, but, um, he he's got to be switched on, and this is also a great test for catch a Wave.
1: Yeah, I don't. I just don't want him. I've got him on top, but I don't want him at um, he's a dollar fifty. He's the son of a gun on Mark four fifty, and uh, as you mentioned, there has been a little nibble. He's in a nine fifty now, but raw for Roscoe. In the scenario that things go wild early and they that they they record a freakish lead time, I think raw for Roscoe. You only have to look at that win at heat level coming from off the. He's he's getting better at a rate of not three nine, two and four. Four races to go. We might take a short break, come back, get stuck into the two-year-old Phillies final, the Vic Bread Super Series and the three-year-old Trotting Colton Golding's final. And after that, we get to talk to Dan about More Vita. He's so keen to do so. He's already referenced her back in a minute. Feel like Phil 2023 come. I feel coming in the rear view mirror. Well, it's not, is it? It's head. Anyway, I don't drive. Right. Um, next with the Group wild is Big Bread Super Series final. Uh, uh, by choice. Yeah. Uh, for two-year-old fillies. And you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, Dan, two horse races with one drawn off the front and one drawn off the back. I thought this was a two-horse race, and they're both drawn off the front, but Sweet Bella might as well be drawn off the back. i, I got to tell you, only Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin know the difference between uh, these two runners on ability, these two emerging fillies. Joyful has Gates beat in the draw, and I get she should be favourite, but I've got no idea how good Sweet Bella is. So I, I, and to be honest, instinctively, I don't think there's a great deal between them.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think the fact that Mark Pitt has chosen uh, Joyful, and rightfully so from the good Gates. She's got the gate speed and she's going well, and you know, Sweet Bella's only had three starts. We know that she's on the up. But effectively, Joyful's only had four starts. We know she's had much more experience than that, but she's only been with Emma Stewart's stable for yeah. four starts. Looks like a different horse. We've got to treat her like she's a different horse. Tequila Delight might be better than all of them. At her second start, finding the line behind Sweet Bella the way she did, um, she clearly is still on the way up. And I like looking at horses that... Uh, may well be on the on the way up here um plenty of them have been around for a while and we can make a, an Im, um, impression of perfect and pink there's the other one that i give a hope to as well mm. joyful's too short for me i i'm i'm scratching my head why she is so short i understand emma stewart four for four for the stable Gatespeed probably should leave but not at a, i think a dollar oh eight i saw is that right
1: well you get you know, you're getting much bigger odds now a dollar 15 so the values the values arrived
2: well, there you go. <laughs> the, the, the website that I'm looking at now is saying $1.08. that's just yeah. too short uh, for me. It makes me want to have something on Tequila Delight, Sweet Bella, and or Perfect and Pink, or at least find those horses more attractive to back even for the place. Like, if you took two place bets in the race and they were Tequila Delight and Perfect and Pink, you should be getting close enough to even money. Uh, actually, you're kidding me. It's a $3.80 Tequila Delight. Is that right? A place and two sixty Perfect and Pink? Well, the, uh, I'll be backing both those horses for a place. That that's a better option, surely. The one I'm looking at here, um, Tequila Delight is five dollars a
1: place. What? And might and might be the um, might be the bet of the night, just straight out of place. I wouldn't even if I would be okay if somehow she came out and won. I don't care because I'll I'll just be backing her five dollars a place. Is nearly the bet of the night. She's going to roll forward. She's actually got a little bit of early speed. She was huge, as you mentioned at last start. She might be better than the lot, agree. And she's going to be in a great spot. Like Credulous and our Princess Di can't do much early. Aureus will go back. Something about Ollie goes back. Sweet Bella goes back, then circles them. So literally in my map, this should work out. Joyful should be in front. Tequila, Delight, 1-1. And Sweet Bella in the breeze. And I agree with you on Perfect in Pink, but I think that draw is going to make life harder for her at $2 a place than it will a Delight at $5 a place and Tequila Delight's on the way up and Perfect in Pink is probably just flatlining at the moment, in my opinion. So that's that's incredible, isn't it? And th- the other one I'd have a little place bet on because it was huge last start and I have got a big opinion of her, though I don't know where she gets to his Aureus. I thought her run at, uh, at semi-final level was excellent. So three seven four and 8. And Dan Malecki and I are telling you to gamble responsibly. <laughs> Call 1-800-858-858 if you have a problem. But have something... Decent on Tequila Delight. The drum race ten is the anti-penultimate of the night. Apologies for the voice. Still, three-year-old trotting colts and geldings. There was one gilt-edged. Like if the gun was put to your head all night, and they said you've only got one for your life, it's got to be door for me. I mean, we're only getting a dollar twelve, and we have to find a way to make money out of exotics. But this one can't lose. I don't think, Dan. Mm
2: yeah look I, he's in a different uh, level uh, at the moment. Krivastor. He's a very exciting horse. He could sit three wide the trip here and it'd still take a you know a good performance to run him down. I think he'll just cruise across, lead, he'll dominate. I think he's got a bit on his rivals here. They're a good bunch, but he's exceptional. So five clearly on top. Um, I think R.C. Phoenix is a horse that I, I thought performed really well, lifted his rate. He'd been a bit unreliable, but has got a billet and he showed it last start. So I think the timing about him improving is important, at least to include in your exotics or back for a place. Courage stride and also Plymouth Chubb. Um, he's out of the draw, which which seems a forlorn task now, but... He can still perform well. And I think Wikari Maxwell, even at long odds, is capable of running a place. But I think they will all be chasing Kravash Dor for silver and bronze. He's my, uh, yeah, well, clear top pick. I'm sure he is for everybody.
1: Yeah, I'm going a uh, little trifecta here. Five to beat 13 and 10 Plymouth Chubb and Courage Stride. And I'd be including Gaelic Ladd, Carrie Maxwell, who's going to make a really nice horse. Graham McDermott's got another very nice one out of... Uh, a, a very talented man named Waikari, Patricia and RC Phoenix as well. So 5, 13, 10 and one, 1, but I'd go 5 to beat 10 and 13 to beat 1, 4, 8, 10 and 13 in a trifecta final break. Back with two more races to go. In Cypher via more AV to what will Dan Maleky come up with? We'll find out in a moment. <laughs> tell you what, I've been very rude here. We've only got about a minute and 50 seconds and this
2: is... It's Cypher more Avita. vita then? Cypher just, more Avita. vita you know, at the odds last week. She was not in, the in Cipher's race, so this week she's been well found, but at least she's cemented that she's close to being back to her best. Uh, but in Cipher's, just the queen, isn't she, or the princess? So I've tipped one from three. Three's got a really good chance, though. Uh, and then Soho Historia and uh, uh, what else? Something else I've put in there to run a... a, a Pettigon. So, um, in Cypher, Amore Vita might be the better bet each way because there's simply a bit of value.
1: 1, 3, 10 and 13. Quickly before the final race, any chance in Cypher gets crossed from one?
2: Well, that's what I was thinking as well. Um, Relentless me, gets out really hard. But can she cross in Cypher, drawn right next to her? Won't use up Amore Vita. Beach Life, I doubt, would try to cross. Um, Pettigone can get out very quick. So, even though they're stable mates, but they're going to be driving it for their best interest. So, there is some chance, but... um, I, I think Encypher will, will probably lead.
1: I think she's slightly vulnerable, but might get the retake anyway. In the final race, Visionary, something special. Again, not sure yeah. if she leads from the pole, but 1, 2, 5 and 11 in the last.
2: Yeah, it doesn't have to lead. She's I think she's got a bit on them. Tiang Zina going well from the good gate. 1, 2, 5, 4 for me. And your best on the card is? Race 2, number 5, Hide and Seek. Race 5, number 10, Tough Tilly.
1: And you're like, he's the son of a gun at a price as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The double figures, I, I think, yep, yeah, wait your bet and uh, he'll be running top three.
1: Uh, I'll be making my best. Elder Barons used at $2.60. I think raw for Roscoe and he's a son of a gun. Uh, Bo's of value. But I tell you what, we'll talk it all through on Trots Vision tomorrow night. Big races tonight as well, Dan
2: Malecki. You're a legend. Thanks for joining me again, mate. Thanks, Jase. Au revoir, team.